Hi, welcome to For the Culture Canada, the center point of art and entrepreneurship. This is episode 49. I know it's been a little bit of a minute since I uploaded my last episode, but I'll get into that a little bit later and I'll also provide some more details actually on my social media. But but anyway, today I have somebody that I've actually wanted to get interviewed for a little bit here. He actually reached out to me after I interviewed his son, Nextside, and uh, wanted to just sort of, uh, you know, give a little bit of a brand uh, informative discussion. And also, uh, we wanted to sort of, I wanted to sort of dive into what he does because the thing is, he's actually quite, he's quite multifaceted in what his ventures are. So, A, he is a uh, business and brand management. Uh, mentor. He is also going to, he's also a um, a basketball coach and also he is an author. Uh, He has written the book Chocolate Covered French Fries available now on Amazon and all sorts of different other places. Uh, I'm sure he will let you know, but I am of course talking about Kevin Kishore. Thanks for being a part of the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, no problem. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. I know we've tried to make it work a little bit earlier and it just schedules don't line up and stuff, but I'm finally glad that we have you here. Yeah, man. There's no time like now. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. But um, you've had a good day so far? Yeah, it's been great. Yeah. You know, the weather is a little crappy, but, you know. Oh my God, I know. We got to be thankful for the rain anyway. Rain brings growth, right? Yeah, totally. And uh, at least it's not snowing anymore. Yes, 100%. Yeah, thank God for that one. Um, But um, all right, so before we get into all of the stuff that you do, uh, inevitably, I want you to talk about your past a little bit. So tell me, man, uh, where were you born and how did you get to the place that you're at? Like, how'd you grow up? Oh, man. Okay, let me see if I can give you the short version. So I was born in the Toronto area, uh, just outside of there, a place called Kitchener. A lot of people don't know what that is. It's funny. It's uh, everything outside of Toronto is kind of getting swallowed up by Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, the Tri-City is like half a million people. So it's not really that small. But uh, so my, my pops lives in Toronto and his whole side and my mom's side lived in Kitchener. So that's where I was born. Grew up there, you know, did my first degree there. Um and then came out here, out west, uh, had no idea, took a huge leap of faith, kind of felt like I had a calling, which was, you know, like my, my previous life, I always say, you know, the first kind of first major chapter in my adult life, I uh, was doing a lot of service, uh, kind of doing a lot of ministry, like in the church and stuff like that, which actually my son talked a little bit about in your interview with him, Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. the music and that sort of thing. And um, I would have never thought I saw my life going that way when I was young, because I was, I was a little bit of a badass <laughs> when, I was, when I was young. And uh, so I would say God has a sense of humor, you know. Mm. And so anyway, so I did that for a while. I've been out here for a minute now but always homesick so i go back and forth a lot sure yeah well what drew you what what about the west drew you to this so much nothing really actually it was just that whole calling thing like my mom's came out here first yeah and and i came out here and actually went to visit and just to check it out because my ex-wife wanted to really live out here she wanted to change because where we grew up there was a lot of stuff that kind of wanted to get away from because we had kids and wanted to give them a little bit of a different you know get them out of like some of the trouble that we had when we were growing up right and it's definitely like smaller cleaner quieter out here right right and, um and it's funny because i had already started working with youth back then 
And uh, back home, it was it was like clear cut what I was doing. You know, you try to keep young people off the streets. You try to keep them out of violence, uh, gangs, drugs, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and when I felt like I had that calling out here, I came out here and I was kind of like, oh, what am I doing out here? You know, like my spiritual life kind of really kicked into gear. I was like, you know, God, what do you, what do you want from me? These kids out here, they're very different. There's, right. there's none of that out here, right? You don't see the poverty as much. You don't see the gangs. You don't see that, you know. And um, so, you know, ironically, it was the message I got was that people out here have choices that mm-hmm. maybe people that I where I was didn't have as much. And uh, so if they have choices, help them with those choices. That was the message I got. It was like, be like the wind in people's lives like you know that it's a force to be reckoned with or that it's there but you can't see it moving right and yeah a lot of the time so so that was what shaped like the first decade probably or more of my life out west and Mm. then uh and so yeah and so now that i'm coaching people like yeah i'm still coaching people in basketball i'm coaching people in business and life now especially with the book and that sort of thing yeah it's it's a similar type of thing that i'm still doing right yeah definitely definitely um and in terms of like when you came over here obviously toronto to vancouver that's like a pretty normal move for a lot of people but then you chose Kelowna. there's lots of other little towns around right you could have even chosen the island what about Kelowna drew you here it was uh well partially because of my mom's but uh the message that i got actually which was you know it's, it's kind of freaky because not a lot of people have those kinds of experiences where they feel like like the voice of God or whatever spoke to them. Right? Yeah. And for me, it was very clear. Like when that happens, you don't forget it. And the the what, what the message to me was, how much do you love me? Are you willing to sell everything that you own and follow me into the desert and meet me on the mountaintop? And that back in Ontario, we didn't have mountains for one or a desert, right? And, right? and I had no idea when I took that leap of faith to come out here. We sold everything we owned after that. Six weeks later, we got on a plane and we came out here. We had no idea what we were coming out here to. Just called my family out here. It was like, we're coming, right? And uh, the mountains are here. They yeah. became a huge part of my spiritual journey. And uh, and then I found out the Okanagan's the only hot desert in Canada, right? <laughs> and I was like, wow, you know? So, you know, it just slowly unfolded after that. It literally was just blind faith at that point. Wow. How did that come to you? Was it intuition, a dream? No, it was just a vo- that voice like inside. And I was actually laying on the couch watching basketball and I sat up like it was that powerful in me. And, uh, you know, at that time I was married and I, my wife was in another room and we had kind of buried this conversation about moving like six months prior. Yeah. We hadn't talked about it. And I just yeah. sat up and I was like, hey, we're going. That was all I said. And she knew what I was talking about. She dropped what she was doing. She got on the phone, called my grandmother. She's like, uh, book our tickets. And that was it. Six Whoa. weeks later. <laughs> yeah. And crazy. so then what did it feel like when you touched down? It was just like uh, like new like new ground, right? And like, say I'm a Christian, and so yeah, um, the story of Abraham was always really big for me. You know, I, it's funny I didn't think our podcast was gonna go this way, <laughs> but we're talking about my past. Right? No, it's all good. You it's know? all good. Um, but like Abraham, he was one of those guys. He's the guy, right? Like mm-hmm. he he was asked to leave his home 
and to to just trust and go and he was promised that he would be like given abundance like in terms of his legacy and and all that sort of stuff and children and whatever and so that's what he did he left his home and his family and he went to this unknown land right and so that was literally what it was like it was like fresh start it was, it was like i was smoking back then at that time right. and i remember when i was in toronto airport i threw out my last pack of cigarettes before i left and i had a six-year run right after i got here and no smoking cold turkey it was literally a fresh start wow <laughs> yeah, it was like in every way wow yeah that's crazy yeah. that's crazy um and so well, I just want to funny story though before sure, sure. I cut you off there because uh, you interviewed my son right yeah, uh, yeah. Elijah next side and uh, my wife at the time we had been trying for we had already had our oldest daughter Sade who's uh, give her a shout out she's the brand manager at Perch now a cafe that just opened up and and their events coordinator super proud of her but uh, so we had her already we had her when I was in high school. And uh, so I don't recommend that to anybody, just, just saying, <laughs> you know. Um, but we had, you know, since we already had one kid and we were, you know, we were kind of headed down that road towards staying together in marriage or whatever. We're like, let's try for another one. And it just wasn't working when we were living in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And then when this happened and we took that leap of faith and we came out here and that whole, that whole spirit of Abraham or whatever that I was saying... Right after we got here, Elijah or next side was conceived. Like, oh. boom. it was like that sort of like first blessing in a way, you know. Yeah, I know that like you know, uh, as kids grow, whatever, sometimes it doesn't feel like that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, at yeah. the time, it was seen that way. It was <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I get you. I get you. Um, and as say next side was growing up and your kids were growing up, right? Um, did you find that? Because uh, I find I've always loved kids. Love you know, even when I was a kid, I just loved playing. With kids but i was just sort of like um do i just think about when i have a kid and what it's going to be like and just sort of seeing like oh you have that kid has like my you know the mother's personality or my personality or a mix between the two was that was that what it was like for you or yeah you know it's funny because him in particular because you know him yeah um he's uh I always say he's a lot like me. Like he reminds me of me. Like when I sometimes, like when I used to go pick him up at high school or whatever, and I'd see him walking down the street. You know, like I'd be like, "Damn, am I looking at myself?" Like the same kind of swagger and whatever, you know, and kind of easy with the ladies and right. that sort of thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah. But he's got his mother's temperament, like this person, more her personality. So you could kind of see that, like definitely, like tendencies and that sort of thing. And so, so he's the second oldest of six. Yeah. Right. There's six of them, and uh, it's definitely you can see a lot of each of them in that sense and and even just the mix in cultures you know it's talking about for the culture canada yeah, yeah i feel like my kids are like a representation of canada you know russell peters the comedian yeah, He's like, yeah. <laughs> everybody loves russell right yeah and uh he says everybody's gonna be beige someday right because everybody's yeah. mixing right mm-hmm. and so their mom their mom's canadian right so she's white yeah and and my family both my parents are from guyana mm. so british guyana is like considered caribbean like trinidad and jamaica but we're not an island we're on the of south america yeah so we're like you know we're really mixed like on my side we're like black chinese a uh, little bit of portuguese east cool. indian uh, creole french and um i'm I always forget so i'm always forgetting one but uh yeah so six things and then they got their mother's mix right which yeah. is typical canadian mix 
but uh, so they're they're like Canada right there, and you could see it reflected in each of them. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, anyway, it's it, so it's crazy with with all of them. So the book, which is definitely inspired by a lot of my life, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first book. This is the first of three, and so the second book is actually going to be on love and spirituality, and the third book is going to be uh, the title I'm working with right now is uh, Father of Six, Master of None. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny one. I like it. <laughs> which is actually the exactly what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Like the dynamics and all the mix of all them, you know. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, they'll be unnamed. That's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it a trip watching your kids grow up? Oh man, it's nothing. They say there's two things you can't prepare for in life. Yeah. One is losing a loved one, yeah. which I think you experienced recently, right? Did you go through a loss? Yeah, yeah. My yeah. grandpa passed away a couple of years ago. He just spread his ashes in India uh, last November. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I guess, a blessed experience that you'd be able to be a part of that, right? Even though it's Mm -hmm. tough. Him, us spreading his ashes, one of the most uh, interesting and blissful experiences of my life. It was so surreal. Yeah, I bet. So they say, yeah, you can't prepare for that no matter Mm -hmm. how many books you read or whatever, you know, you hear from other people and having a kid, those Mm -hmm. two things, they just change you. You just, you know, that's why I always laugh. Like I spent like a decade helping people decide if they want to get married and get, get them to the altar and then like supporting families afterwards and all that, which is also another motivation behind the book. Um, but, uh, the it was crazy like people would always tell me oh i'm not ready to have kids i'm not ready to have kids and i get that you know like people want to even if they're married or they've been married five years or they've been whatever they want to be in a certain economic place or they want to you know like have a house they want to do this whatever but the reality is you never be ready like Mm. it just doesn't matter how old you are like i had my we had our first when i was like 16 turning 17 yeah right definitely wasn't ready no (laughs) at that time and then we had our last when i was like we had them all by the time i was 30 right so totally different like age and stage and you know i had a career i had a house i had you know, it still was changed me. Every one of them changed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what was your, what was the feeling like when you had your first one compared to when you had your last one? Uh, it's definitely different. You know, the yeah. first one was like, phew, I was like, oh God, you know, like, because my dad and I didn't really have a close relationship, even though I was always with him in Toronto or whatever, you know, like kind of yeah. thing, but it's just his personality. He's not like a communicator or you know um or affectionate or anything like that Mm -hmm. right like he's just like provide and and kind of like if you as long as you're not screwing up like we're good you know like that's exactly like my dad you know (laughs) it's like immigrant parents you know we know what it's all like yeah 100 percent. yeah so um so then when i had the first because i didn't obviously didn't expect to have a kid at that age sure yeah um i was like man like me and god wrestled a lot i was like really like you want me to be a father like knowing already like the path that i was on at that time right and that i didn't really have a good role model my grandfather too that that lived with me growing up on my mom's side he was like you know he was not he was not the same thing like he was not really around you know he uh he was like a recovering alcoholic you know that sort of thing and so so the the role models weren't there right and so i was yeah. blown away like to see this light oh my gosh his life is like entrusted to me now yeah Jeez, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you must have learned a lot though your maturity level must have very much uh changed or at least it must have developed in a different way than it would have otherwise had you had not had that kid at the time hey 
yeah, you definitely grow up. Like, there's no like no question. You got to grow up. Uh, which actually, that's not true. You always have a choice, right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Of course. And, yeah. and at that age, like my cho- the choice for me at that moment, what at first wasn't like marriage and and like house and all that kind of stuff. It was like. Am I going to be a ghetto bastard? That's what we used to call them back in the day, right? Is like cause right. There so many like dudes who were living like I was living at that time, like kind of running around, getting into trouble, whatever, mm-hmm. and just having kids and just leaving the moms to do their thing, you know, like kind of. And it was very normal or common, I guess. Sure, yeah. And so the first question for me was, am I going to be a dad or not? Right? Can I be? And so that was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to accept this challenge. I'm going to be, uh, be there, you know, whatever that looks like. And yeah. so that just changes your whole mentality. It's like, right. okay, you, you're, you're, you're responsible for somebody else right now, this little person. It's kind of funny because my oldest, she's a, she was in my high school yearbook. You know, she came to my first uh, university degree sometimes with me. She would come to class with me sometimes. And then in my master's program, she came to class. With me. She, was, <laughs> she was at university or getting there or whatever at that time too. Yeah. So um, it's just totally different, yeah. But to, I definitely had to. I just had to fend fend for myself. So that's sure. why, like now that I have kids that are that age, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, the like the three oldest are like twenty three. Uh, next side is gonna be nineteen any minute now, and then uh, Trinity, the Miss Model out there, big time now. She's Vancouver Fashion Week the other wow. day. Wow! Yeah, it's crazy. Now. I was sixteen. She's sixteen now, and like when we're talking about when I was sixteen, right? Like what I was doing. Yeah. And so for me, it's like it's hard for me to be like, oh, you know, like life must be hard for you, you know, like kind of thing. Because <laughs> I'm like, I had to do whatever, we had to do whatever we had to do. You know, yeah. like my mom's had already moved out here. My pops is living in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And so we're like stuck in the middle. And, yeah. You know, we had to go on welfare to get through high school. And then I had to take big student loans. I mean, praise God, like you said, you love this country and the mm-hmm. opportunities that are available to us. Mm-hmm. In my first degree, what was available to me at that time was I ended up borrowing a hundred grand from the government in total for my, just to get through my first degree because I had, to, I had to live off of it yeah but in the end i only had to pay back 43 grand of it how's that because they had this big forgiveness program back then they had a lot more incentives and grants and whatever right sure yeah yeah but when i did all the math i was like damn you know what i mean like that's yeah. a lot of money i could be a doctor for that <laughs> i was like what was i thinking <laughs> you know? yeah dude that's a lot of money man it is yeah, yeah. but i mean we're blessed here that's mm-hmm. for sure you know yeah Definitely. How often do you think about that kind of stuff? Are you a first generation, by the way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, so yeah, I was born, I was the second child born when they came over. Yeah. Okay. To Canada. Yeah. I'm the oldest child, first generation. And I'm just like, I, I honestly, like now that I'm older too, I think about it all the time. I'm like, wow, you know, I could be not at this place at all whatsoever. You yeah. know, I, my accent wouldn't sound anything like this. I wouldn't have these computers, this, um, audio engineering certificate that I have, like all of this stuff. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't even know you existed. It had my parents made uh, like a decision to second guess coming here, yeah. you know, no, blows my mind. For sure. It's funny that you talk about, it. I used to do that a lot when I used to teach about purpose. Like I used to help, uh, like especially grade 12 students and university students kind of, that was one of my favorite things that I did in my past life, I call it. Right. Yeah. Like my, and, uh, I used to talk about, 
like appreciating where you came from in that mm-hmm. sense that we say life is a rowboat actually in my in my book the the epilogue or whatever is is it's rowing like chris rock right like kind of thing and right and it's that whole like rowboat idea that you can't see where you're going but you can see where you've come from in that sense that's one of the big things that i learned and so when you look back like in my first degree i had uh, the 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 honor, I guess I would say of doing an independent study on my family roots. And I was able to see like who came from where, where were the slavery, where was this, that, whatever, Yeah, you know? And like my grandfather, I told you that I grew up with, uh, lived with me. He, he, I didn't like him. We didn't like each other, you know, but I was grateful for him because it was his decision to come to Canada. Right. And back home, he was like, he's got, he's still like, our family still has oceanfront property in Guyana. Wow. And, uh, we, you know, he left that. He was like kind of big time. He was, uh, you know, he was like a plumber or whatever, like or engineer kind of. Like there was a lot of that in my family. Right, right, and, right. Uh, and he came to Canada. When you, you know, when immigrants come to Canada, they can't do what they did. No, of course. Then. He ended up being a chicken peeler at Swiss LA for twenty years. Wow. Just to give his family a different opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, he stopped, they stopped in Tortula, the island on the way here. They were going to settle there. But yeah. He chose, he's like, nah, I'm going to Canada. And if it wasn't for that, I mean, life would have been completely different mm-hmm. for me, you know? Yeah. And you, and we always have to pay. I mean, I just, it's just like, you always have to pay props for that kind of thing, right? Like they took the brunt of the force. So in the long term, their family could do better, you know? Yeah. And man, I just can't help but think, man holy shit, I'm so thankful that my parents are here. Like, all I want to do is just um, work hard so I can get my mom and dad a a new house, you know what I mean? Or, like, get them anything that they want, you know? I don't want them to work ever again, but... Um, anyway, they look like they're doing all right though. (laughs) (laughs) They're doing okay. They're doing fine. They have their health and I'm incredibly happy for that, you know? Um, but, uh, and it also, what's interesting is that you seem like you've had like a from you talking about God when you were 16 years old, it seems like you've always had, even though you were saying that you had a, you were kind of a badass, um, you seem to have a tight connection with faith or it seems that way. Yeah, for sure. I, um, so my, my dad's a Hindu. Oh, wow. My mom's a Catholic. So, and in my family, it's very diverse. Like we got Muslims, Jehovah's Witnesses, Pentecostals, you name it. Like any kind of religion is in my family. And so, when I decided to make a change at uh, that age, when I had, became a father and all that stuff, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to university to pull my socks up. What am I going to study? Yeah. Right. And I chose to study religious cultural history. That was my first, like my first focus in school. Yeah. And it was just because of that. I'm like, you know, this one family that I have, everybody was different in terms of how could they all be the same family, but they all have all these different beliefs. Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to know, I want to, you know, I got to be able to love them. I got to be able to, like whatever like yeah find some common ground right and so right so that so i was always super fascinated by that and so as my like adult life and my career has has come to i guess fruition in a sense is uh i think people have come to see me as i've heard as like a, a sort of a specialist in the things that are unseen i would say okay and so that's why the second book is on love and spirituality because i see them as two sides of the same coin because love is something that's like it's unseen like it's really hard you can't touch it smell it you know like kind of thing right it's the same with spirituality 
it's it's unseen and our beliefs and like god and all that kind of stuff typically is you know and and i find really interconnected and those those things really fascinated me Mm. so some people there's other unseen things you know like like our psychology and stuff like that too right but science has a different hold on that Mm -hmm. right and so you know i guess while we're talking about that kind of a little bit on the book like the segue there is that uh, I really became to believe strongly that we don't get prepared for that. Right. So, the, you know, a lot of people talk about we don't ever get prepared how to handle money, for example, in mm-hmm. school. No. They don't teach you how to really do that. Right. Um, they also don't teach us how to have relationships. True. So, Very true. Yeah. So when you think about that, it's like, all right, well... I think there's more of an effort now. Like people, they're trying to teach like emotional intelligence and things like that in school. Which, very important. Yeah. Yeah. Very but important. Like, you know, when you don't learn about it anywhere, where do you pick it up? Mm-hmm. Pick it up from maybe your often dysfunctional examples at home. You yeah. know, like even the best of parents are dysfunctional in their own right, in your own sure. home. Right. Like you yeah. show the worst parts of yourself to those who you love. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's just how we are. And then that, or you pick it up in the media. And so, so like, especially kids these days, like the growing up, who are they watching? Like the Kardashians, and, <laughs> you know I mean? No, no disrespect to them. You know what I mean? Like every family's got their stuff or whatever, but sure. you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, like who are the role models, you know, like for my generation, it was like the Cosby's. Yeah. And we all know how that ended. Oh <laughs> my God. Yup. We, yep. we, no, we ain't going there. No. Well, let's Okay. Let's say uh fresh Prince too. Sure. <laughs> that was a good family that we got. Honestly, that episode where Will, Will wants to go hang out with his dad, but his dad dips and uncle Phil then resolves the end of the episode. And it, Oh my God, I've, I've never been more closer to crying while watching a TV show than that, dude. Like that hit hard. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's funny. I don't feel like there's a lot of shows like that anymore. No, no, there isn't. But anyway, maybe there are, but I just haven't found them. It all seems to be stuff that's a little more out there you know what i mean like a lot of it is a little more f- uh fantastical you know like game yeah. of thrones or or breaking bad i don't know that's not even a thing anymore but yeah. like no, that kind of stuff you know what i mean true. it's like paranormal stuff or like vampire diaries and like yeah all exactly those, th- those things yeah um it's i mean that sitcom format kind of died obviously as we we know it mm-hmm. right um that's all dead now but you're right though the thing is people in their teens like i didn't experience any sort of place to learn about emotional intelligence or how to treat a, a person like an actual person um i mean like kids at that age all they know f- when it comes to like relationships and stuff is like porn and yeah, like porn porn is not the it's it's, it's an awful wor- place it's actually the worst it's, yeah it's like trust me it's like it totally distorts like when we talk about relationships like sexuality is a whole nother piece right yeah. which i don't even get into i don't touch in the book really and and i don't really touch love like as a whole because i think like love and intimacy and all that that's yeah. why i think they need their own book right like a oh, separate 100%. book and uh but yeah like our culture is so oversaturated sexually and yeah. and for men in particular i think you know I, women are naturally more like wired for relationships mm. um and it's just biological i believe it's it's just how we are and yeah. but men we struggle more in that way and and we also don't tend to seek out like help in that area or growth it's just you know we're we're more focused on on success yeah it's not a bad thing or a competition or you know strength or whatever it is yeah. those are the things that we pursue more often right yeah and, and so i don't know i mean maybe that's part of my my what i'm gonna leave as a legacy i hope you yeah. know and i'm sure it's funny because i think 
I, like my my hope has always been that my kids someday will be able to say I learned a lot about about how to be in good relationship with people despite like my failures like obviously my first marriage ended like with their mom you know and and that was hard and yeah. nobody ever get, gets married in, in planning to end it right like right no but but through our failures or through our missed opportunities or through our mistakes or whatever if we don't grow or learn from them like then what's the point right of they, course. they just kill us right in that sense so but i still hope that that my kids will someday be able to be like you know what my dad was an example of whatever like you know of, of how to how to live or how to be in relationship with people or you know in that sense so that's that's my hope and then you know my writing and and my vlogging and all that stuff if i can spread that in the world that's even better you know mm -hmm. it's great but yeah well, the thing, that's the beauty of what we have going on today, right? Some people may look at this way or that way about social media, but the one thing that you can always say is that it more permanently, it will permanently leave your mark as an individual based on what you put out there. So given that you are doing what you're doing, um, obviously you're there to enhance people's relationships and um, solidify a positive message for people out there, right? Um, I was reading into your blog a little bit, actually, quite a bit, and I was reading about how the inspiration of the title for your book was oh, actually yeah. from your kids, yeah. right? So explain that a little bit. So I do talk about it in the introduction too my book so yeah. i don't give too much away but uh <laughs> but yeah you're right i did i did blog about it early on when i first started blogging yeah um but just my one daughter my my 16 year old we were on a road trip and she just brought it up she's like you ever had chocolate covered french fries you know and we were talking about this in the car the other day too and and uh she was telling the story to the other kids it was just kind of random and yeah. and this is how my mind works i just made a parallel there right mm. And so I kind of break out, I break that out a little bit in the book, but but in a nutshell, it's it's uh, like with anything it, when you put something together like that, like chocolate and French fries, you know, it could be delicious or it could be a disaster, right? Yeah. Like kind of thing. And so I I believe that in relationships, it's it's the same. Like, yeah, you know, on their own chocolate and french fries are delicious most people would agree yeah right <laughs> yeah. you know and, but like putting them together for, it may not always be good mm -hmm. and I, so it's the same with people yeah right and so that's just that's where it kind of started the original title for the book was the relationship code crack mm -hmm. cracking the chaos of our culture yeah but you know, I kind of just moved away from that. It felt kind of dry. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And this thing just kept coming up, the chocolate-covered French fries. And then people are like, man, that's catchy, you know? Like, it is. It then, is. It's funny because you said you used to work at Cactus, right? So yeah. I, a little shout-out there. Um, the, one, of, the One of the managers that used to be the Cactus here at Kelowna downtown, uh, we were there, the boys and I were there one night, and we were talking with him, and he's like, yeah, tell me about your book. And I was telling him about the title, and uh, he's like – um, Scott, right? And he's like, uh, have you tasted it yet? Chocolate covered french fries, right? <laughs> and I'm like, actually, I haven't. And so it comes back like five minutes later with a plate with uh, fries in chocolate sauce, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the picture on the cover of my book is from Cactus that, Club. that night. Yeah. I took that picture of the, the fries and then we ate them and... 
they were delicious. <laughs> you know, <they're>, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're happy to hear it's actually delicious. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a poetic in a way, actually, that it turned out to be good. But I noticed that, dude. I noticed that. Like, come on, man. I worked there. I, I was like, oh, this guy went to Cactus Club. He got a, yeah, it's basically the moose, um, the moose yeah. shot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. God damn, that shit's amazing. <laughs> and their fries are fantastic, too. But I know Scott. He actually uh, transferred over to the location yeah. that I worked at. Banks Row now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but, that's cool. I mean, so, I mean, that whole, like, while we're talking about the book. Yeah, I yeah. Just, let's um, go into it. You know, so when I left my, my first career, uh, like, my main career that I had for all those years that I was talking about earlier. yeah. Um, I decided I went through a real tough time, went through the divorce, I literally hit rock bottom. And, uh, in a sense, like not rock bottom, probably maybe a little bit in the traditional sense of what people usually associate with like, uh, like alcoholism or whatever, like kind sure. of thing, but rock bottom in the terms of like, I was devastated. Like I yeah. lost everything. I yeah. had to file for bankruptcy cause we had owned another business before and sure. all this stuff. And uh, that was really tough for me. Like I was, uh, I literally like sleeping on the floor for a while. I was wow. just like, you know, I was riding my bike. I was so that I could make sure, you know, I wanted to make sure any resources I had at that time that I could support like my kids and my ex-wife or whatever. Sure. Just to make sure that everybody was good. And then we, then slowly I rebuilt myself. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, so then, you know, we, we built the basketball academy that we had. And uh, that was a huge win yeah. for me. That was the first step. And then from there, the brand management thing grew because I had already had I already had my own corporation. Decided I need to fill it with something, right? And I just knew that uh, this was evolving, and and I, the principles that I was applying was the same all the time. Yeah, it was like kind of the discussion you and I had before. It was like you know some of the things that it, being in this new space. You were talking about social media and how yeah. the world has changed. It's like, how do you tell your story? You know, right. who are you? That sort of thing. And how do we make use of all these mediums that we have now? And I was just like, wow, I became a believer. Uh, I used to be really old school. It was like print media, you know, like TV. We need to still have TV ads, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? I'm believing that social media is the future. It's the mm -hmm. now and it's definitely the future. Yeah. So I need to get on board. And I, you know, so we started to kind of form around that. Sure. And so then everything I was doing was promoting other people, right? Like, uh, like I was saying, I've, I've worked with everybody from fashion to restaurants to, you know, I've done my own events. We've done charity work. We've done, you know, different things. So we've done worked with artists, so, you yeah. know, um, and then I, at some point I was like, well, what about me? Right. right. Like, what is my brand? Right. Yeah. Which I actually wrote a blog about early on. Right. <clears throat> Why is an event brand manager writing about relationships? Well, it's because when I stepped back and I was like, what is my brand? Who am I? It, the two things that come come to mind are coaching mm -hmm. and relationships because right. of all the different relationships that I'm in all the time. And I really believe that in business, in life. Everything is relationships. 100%. So, you know, like anybody who does good business, they have good relationships with people, right? And people come back to them because of that. Yeah. And um, so you could apply it to anything. And so I was like, you know what? Uh, and uh, my partner that at the time, like my business partner, Kamar Burke, who we built the basketball academy with. And then, you know, now he's a videographer and we've, we've still worked together in different ways. Um, yeah, he used to say to me for a long time, him and some other people that were in our circle would be like, 
man, if I was you, I'd be talking about relationships. Like, why aren't you yet? You know, yeah. like you, yeah, yeah. like we talk about all the time and people come to you about that stuff all the time, but like, you're not like putting it out there for people. And there was other people around that were just like, maybe you should write or maybe you should do this or whatever, you know? And I was like, uh, so when I work with people, I always tell them, find the medium that's best for you right. to start with. Sure. So if it's video, do video. If it's writing, do writing. If it's audio, do audio, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and at that time for me, it was writing. So yeah. that's, that's why I wrote the book first. Okay. And then I decided to blog as like a preamble, you know? Oh, to, interesting. To, to, as the book was being edited or whatever, it was like, okay, so here's the jump off point for that to let people know that this is coming right and so the the it was writing focus and then now i decided you know i'm gonna i ventured into vlogging as you've seen and then the next step is podcast because you just eventually you have to be on all the mediums right? yeah you know you just you gotta reach everybody somehow right yeah yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> so chocolate covered french fries the podcast is coming soon <laughs> <laughs> sick <laughs> Sick. Um, uh, before we get into the podcast, which I'm actually quite curious about, um, I know a lot of people will also use their, a lot of people will use their um, writing and blogging as also a form of expression for themselves whenever they feel any sort of inner turmoil. Is that also what uh, that what was that what it meant for you as well or was that book what that meant for you as well any sort of ventilation like the healing pro you mean like yeah. healing process in the book uh yeah, yeah it probably was you yeah. know i think the blogging was definitely more so mm -hmm. the book the way it took form was uh in those couple years when i was going through that transition so before I told you, I spent all those years working with people, like helping them get married and supporting families and stuff. And then, yeah. And so people came to me in a different way at that time. And then when I went through the divorce and all the turmoil that we went through with the kids and all that stuff, people started coming to me in a different way because all of a sudden, oh, look, Kevin's broken now, you know, and like everybody knows me and in this town anyway. And in other cities, too, like, you know, where I've lived before and stuff, they're like, whoa, like, okay, Kevin's vulnerable now. And yeah. He's been through some shit. So now I could talk to him about the stuff that I've been through without, like, being, they're not afraid I'm going to judge them or anything like that, right? Sure, yeah. So everywhere I went, it was like, whoa, like, you know, like, every second person is like, they've been through a divorce or they've been through bankruptcy or they've been, you know, whatever, like, their kids have whatever, you know, like, it's, and it was just like, whew, you know? Yeah. And, uh, which is ironic because when I first left that career, uh, somebody I know does coaching online, right? Like uh, health coaching in particular. And she's, she does a really good job. She's pretty big. And, and she sat with me and she's like, you know what? I think you should consider doing this uh, because I think you have the skill set and you have the background and you have the personality. But for men in particular, because men don't have a lot of places to go or other men that they can talk to. Yeah. And there's a wider audience that you can reach like by doing it online. And so we sat, we talked about the model. I still have all the notes, like I was putting together, like what a typical coaching program would look like, you know, that kind of thing uh, for men, like three phases and all that kind of stuff. Right. And, and so someday that might come still. But at that time, because I was so devastated, I was like, this sounds cool, but I, I got nothing to give right now. Right. So then after all that time where people were coming to me and coming to me and, and I was like, I, it was healing for me too, because I was talking with them and helping with them and we were sharing in our, in our pain and stuff. And you know, within like discretion. Right. Um, and cause I really think it's important not to tell other people's story. Right. Yeah. So, so whether it be like my kids stories or, or my ex-wife's story or, and vice versa for other people, like, let's keep it to us. Like what, what I'm dealing with or what you're dealing with, you know, like kind sure. of thing. Um, 
just like after a while, it was like I needed to start writing. I needed to start doing something, some kind of output with it, right? Yeah. And, and so when I made the decision to write the book, it happened in six weeks. Like the book is six chapters, really, plus an introduction and an epilogue, right? And, yeah. And it's literally like one week at a time, bam, just pumped it out. It just like came out. It was like one principle, another principle, another. Pr so they're just principles to apply to any relationship. Sure. And that's that's how it came out. So it, that was that part wasn't as healing as it was practical. Okay. It was like, what would I suggest? What have I learned that I'm like, okay, this is one thing. If you employ this in your life, maybe it will help you. you know? Right. And then the next one and the next one, the next one. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And that's just how the book took form. And it was like after six weeks, it was like, boom, it was done. Wow. And I was like, okay. And I said to, I set a goal. I wanted it to be done by a certain time. Sent it to my cousin who's a journalist in Toronto and he started editing it. Sick. And it was just like, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. And so what this all basically means as well is that through your explanation, this isn't a book specifically on romantic relationships. No. It is all si all sorts of different relationships. Yeah, so that's why yeah. the subtitle is a recipe for any relationship. And that in particular, because I noticed that like when I was looking it up, you know, I was kind of, because I always think it's important to like know who's out there in your space, right? Yeah. And uh, when you look up relationships, typically you're going to find sex or dating. Sure, yeah. Like pop up right away, right? Yeah. But there's not a lot of people talking about just regular relationships, like right. how to be a human being in a, you know, <laughs> you know, in that sense. Yeah. There's a lot of people doing a lot of like self-empowerment and personal development stuff. Yeah. Which is good. But then what about like the other part, like relating to other people? Right. And so I, I, f I feel like hopefully I could fill that. Mm -hmm. There is a community that's doing it. And, I, you know, I big ups to them. Like and I do I shout out a lot of them in the book and I reference them, you know, like. Some people are really influential for me too, like their writings, like Esther Perel. Mm. Uh, I think you know I mentioned her her first book. I think is huge uh, for people. It's called Mating in Captivity. That was a, you know a big one for me when I read it. Right. People like Brene Brown. I talked about her in one of my vlogs. You know, like the Chapmans who gave us the five love languages. There's, oh yeah, I've used the five lo love languages. Uh, yeah. So there yeah. Are, there's a community out there, and that's who I kind of see myself like connecting with more. Yeah, hundred percent. But, uh, but a lot of them are older now. Like they've been at it for a while right so yeah I'm, yeah yeah I'd hopefully be part of the new generation right 100 percent. so uh, you know i think like right now i think one of the people that are doing it in this new space would be like jay shetty you probably know jay shetty i know he's east indian guy okay. too right and his yeah. whole his whole thing is uh so shout out jay shetty if you're listening to this <laughs> thing you know i want to work with you um he's his thing is uh making wisdom go viral and right. he's pretty big time now you know and he's been like on ellen and you know like that sort of thing and, like once you get on ellen so ellen if you're listening listening <laughs> you know no. kind of thing you know we just like put put each other on you know in that sense and mm -hmm. so i think there's a new generation coming up of people who are who are recognizing that yeah you know yeah I think that's really interesting and important to also uh, vocalize, right? Because if uh, you don't vocalize it, those people aren't going to hear it. And that's yeah. also a very key thing in relationships. Uh, my girlfriend and I, uh, we've been dating for about it's April now. So uh, <laughs> it, it will, we're basically a, a little over a year now. And honestly, man, I love our little relationship that we have going on, right? And a lot of it, um, the, the most simple, if I could summarize it into one key thing, um, the thing, the key thing that I could predicate it on is basically just open communication, right? Um, that's what seems to work for us. You know, I could be frustrated with her. She could be frustrated with me. But if 
I choose to stay quiet, which I tend to do a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You're a dude. That's why. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want to say some shit, but, but once I open up, it actually ends up being, uh, it works out. It works out. Right. Um, do you, would you say that's, would you say that's like the bare bones thing about relationships is the key thing is communication? Uh, yes and no. So I think because when we talk about communication, we typically, we think automatically of verbal communication. Yeah. And so there's a lot of ways that we communicate that are, that, you know, so yes, in a way, you know, we have to find a way to communicate with each other and it could be physical. It could be whatever, you know, like Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, but it's funny, I can mention Esther Perel in particular, you know, or Esther, I don't know if I say her name right, but right. because um, anyway, I think she's part of like a changing tide. And I do, I do write about that in the book where yeah. I talk about this and in that the sort of the older mentality, I don't like to use the word older, but like the traditional mentality is like, if you go to counseling or you go to therapy or whatever, that you fix your communication, you're going to fix everything else in your relationship, yeah. right? That's t- traditional. Um, a conflict resolution, like how to handle those sorts of things. And yes, those skills are important, but there's this new sort of trend that's happening that's suggesting that while we've been doing that for a long time and it's not necessarily always the best way, maybe. And so uh, these new voices are starting to say, which I tend to fall into that too, is that maybe we need to fix other things first. Right, okay. At the core, right? Like fixes a, as a is a tough word but mm-hmm. so maybe we need to focus on our intimacy a little bit more yeah now, okay so i did a i did a vlog recently just a little snippet on intimacy like scratching the surface i said right um because when we think of intimacy we always think of sex unfortunately mm-hmm. i think most people do but that's not what i mean right i mean intimacy like the deepest parts of us right and so that has to do with and i do write about that in the book too where uh it has to do with giving and receiving it has to do with like how like um how we receive the other person it has to do with how we ask for things that we want how we uh, accept things from the other person you know like uh how we trust how we how we dare to take risks how like all that is is a totally different level i Mm -hmm. think than just communicating like what's on our mind or what's you know what i mean like yeah i think and so they always say there's like multiple levels of communication right so there's like the you know there's like facts which you tell like you know like yeah like it's it's raining outside today sure right? like kind of thing so that affects my mood or whatever like kind of thing and then there's opinions mm-hmm. so you know and, and that's a deeper level and then you get down to your feelings right which most of us try to kind of avoid yeah right but it's, so it's on that level that where we could i think we can do other things mm-hmm that that are not just about talking yeah right and so so some people some people are really good at that they're like you know what i'm like right now i just want i just want you to to like be close with me yeah you know like kind of thing or or give me space yeah you know like and and respect that in the person because that's what they need at the time they don't need to talk right Right. So anyway, I, that's probably like a long answer to what, your question. No, but. dude, we're on a podcast. You're <laughs> yeah. supposed to give long answers. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all good. And so the podcast you want to bring on, um, what exactly is, how is the format going to work on it? Is it sort of like a you in an audio sort of form just telling, hey, try this, try that? Or is it, are you going to bring people in for them to talk about what their issues are and you sort of provide some sort of advice 
yeah, so the vision for the podcast that's coming is uh, it's obviously going to be relationship focused, right? Yeah. Um, I'm I'm in the middle of trying to find a co-host, like the right co-host, because sure. I don't want to do it alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I want it to be like a mix, so it'll be like talking about current trends and things that are going on in the world uh, and media and stuff like that too um but then also like real stuff as well that's just like like tough stuff right yeah and uh so it'll be a mixture of you know sometimes maybe it'll just be us talking about stuff that's going on and then we bring in because with two voices that's a lot already Mm -hmm. but i'd also like to definitely interview some people that are maybe doing stuff in that area or like specialize in something or whatever but I, I want it to be, I don't want it to be too heavy. And that's one of the reasons yeah. why I want to bring a co-host on is because uh, like, I feel like I'm more the guy that, cause I'm all of my big background in this area uh, that is going to talk about like, look at how long my last answer was to you. Right. You know, hey, like, it's all they, good. you know, it's all good. so I need somebody on the other side who's like, yeah. uh, lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> that's sure. Help yeah. me. And I'm looking, so I'm looking for a female co-host that like I have somebody in mind. And, uh, but we'll see, you know, like, well, it's important, right? You want to like having a balance of, uh, a woman and a man talking about relationships. I feel like you can't just do it with one or the other and also different orientations as well. If that's something that you're open to as well. Right. Because, um, I mean, even though it's not solely based on a romantic, uh, relationship podcast, I'm sure you have, uh, various other styles as well, but, um, I'm sure you're going to do your best to keep it as balanced as possible. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and especially I think the female perspective. I mean, yeah, we're living in a time right now where there's huge like female empowerment and lots going on in that yeah. in that area. Yeah. But there is definitely a need for both sides. Hundred percent. Uh, yeah. You know, and so uh, there's a lot. You know, like I'm going to be talking from a man's perspective, and I talk about this. You know, with my sons, like I just had this conversation with my my youngest son. Yeah. Uh, the other day, I was saying, you know, like he's just turning 12. Right. And I'm like, you know, you're just getting to that point where you're going to, you know, we're going to need to talk about some stuff. Right. Sure, yeah, and, yeah. And, I, and no matter what, like I'm really the only person in your family right now that you could talk to about it, you know, other than his brother, probably, you know, like kind of thing. But like, in terms of as a, like a man, like an adult, uh, just his mom or his sisters, they can't, understand what it's like to be a growing boy right yeah it's just something you can't and and vice versa like i understand like i have four daughters and so i know a lot about women and a lot about women's health you know i was married obviously and i worked with women a lot and i i was raised by uh, my mom and stuff like that mostly you know but at the end of the day i'm not a woman right no of course yeah i can't really understand you Mm -hmm. know so so there's, there's beauty in that, right? Like to have both sides for sure. Yeah. Is it stressful for you to talk about them growing into that age? Uh, like the girls growing up? No, I mean <laughs> like the, the guys. The guys. Actually, that's that's interesting. Two part question here. Are you in? Are are you? Do you get stressed out or anything when you talk to like say your twelve year old son about getting into that age and what's going to be different? And was it stressful stressful for you to see your daughters um, grow into that age? Oh yeah, I mean, there's nothing more stressful. I tell you, you know, like I've, like I'm a pretty chill guy. Like most people see me as like super laid back. Yeah. Um, You know, but I tell you, I worry about different things on different sides. Obviously, you know, like and having four daughters, like. 
I I was definitely like I don't know if you've seen Bad Boys too, but that scene where Martin and Will Smith like when the guy comes to pick up his daughter, I like I wanted to do that with all like all my daughters when their first guy comes to the door, you know like kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, but you know they're always like you know it's typical like don't embarrass me like mm. they don't they're they're afraid to tell me you know about those things because they don't want me to be overprotective and stuff. No, and, of course they want their independence. Like that is peak age. Like your sixteen yeah. year old daughter, that is peak age. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. It's yeah. tough, you know. So like it's a real hard thing to like let them know that I care and that yeah. I am protective. Like that's who I am. That's who I should be. I'm their dad. Of course, yeah. Um, but and and also because I'm a guy and because mm-hmm. I know like when I was that age, I mean like what I was thinking about most of the time, and I'm like realistically like when I see any any guys rolling up to talk to my daughters, I'm like I know what you're thinking. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, Stop thinking like that. You yeah, know, like, yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. And uh, so, so there's both sides, right, in that way. And it's the same with, with my sons because, like, I've always, even though, you know, like, maybe I wasn't the best husband, you know, for to their mom or whatever. And so I definitely take responsibility for a lot of that stuff. And we've had to work through a lot of that stuff. Um, but my hope has always been, like, in my conversations with my boys is to try and be somewhat of a decent man you know like and and when you have relationships like to be honest to be stand up as much as you can be and you know and 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 to go back to what we were talking about before like porn was a huge problem for me when i was growing up yeah most of my life and i think it's an epidemic and right now a little bit Mm -hmm. in our culture because it's encouraged for for boys and for men in general and, and even for girls now but it totally messes up how real life works. And yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and and for men in particular, it teaches us to to that like women are there for us and right. for like our pleasure and for you know like kind of thing and and uh, it's it's just poison I think right and mm-hmm. so I I always worried about that especially now with the access that everybody has to everything on their yeah. phones on their whatever you know so yeah I definitely I'm stressed all the time. But, uh, like, I wear this serenity ring on. That's my thing. You know, and he took a picture of my hand, and I make sure I keep my ring on because it's the only real ring I wear right now. And it's that serenity prayer, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I talk about that in chapter one of my book. I say that's rule number one is it's all about you. Mm -hmm. It's all about me. And so... The, the detachment that I've had to practice or I've had to learn is that as much as I'm stressed and I'm worried about my kids all the time, I don't have control over certain things. You know, I can't be there all the time. I can't, yeah. you know, and I can't, I can't make their decisions for them as much as I would love to put them in a box, Yeah, you know, like kind of thing. And so at the end of the day, if, if they make a bad decision, like I did maybe when I was mm-hmm. that age. I think it's natural, man, natural uh, to make bad decisions. And it's like, I have to, I have to somehow let go of that, like that, yeah. that anxiety or that, that worry about that, you know, like kind of thing. And, and so that's been the lesson for me is to just, just be able to somehow just be like okay it's not about it's not about me <laughs> I, I try to give them let's try to give them as much as i can to make good decisions up yeah. to now you know yeah of course <laughs> of course i mean it's just like that old cliche you know if you love it, you gotta let it go you know that that sort of thing mm-hmm. but um no it's definitely true in that regard but uh have you listened to kanye's album yay 
not much. I tell you, I have a love-hate relationship with Kanye. I think he's brilliant in terms of how he puts music together. Mm-hmm. But some of his stuff, like it's like this whole new culture that we were talking about, you know, uh, with music like, and and social media and everything like that. I'm just like, ah, you know, like that one hit that came out recently, you know. Oh, I know. You're such a... Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I'm like, really? Like, that's... that's, Everybody's just like bopping to it. It's so loud. I'm like, it's so bad. Like, the words are so bad. (laughs) But you would have loved it, I'm sure. If you were my age or or like, uh, you're, you know, you're any one of your kids' age and that song came out, I'm sure you would have bumped it, man. Yeah, you know, the thing is like the beats are always so good and the the vibe is good. It's just like when you listen to the lyrics, you know. It's it's, super catchy, but the lyrics, (laughs) yeah, you'll just be like, what the fuck? You literally never say that to anybody. It's true. It's like, I don't know. It's just, so that's my problem with this new new genre of music you know we talked about brand management and some of the stuff i've done and and that i do artist development and i was you know i was gonna launch a record label and it's still on the back burner you know still thinking about Mm -hmm. what that might look like yeah um and i'm still still doing that kind of work um but i you know the new genre that's coming up like with obviously i'm a hip-hop and r&b guy yeah and um i i don't i'm not a huge fan you know like i uh, I, yes, I come from like the Jay Z, Nas era, like that kind of thing. Where and I come from, the, age. come from the East, right? So there's yeah. a lot more of that, right? Like back then, um, and it's like, it's like now, like it's funny. I bring up Kamara again. Like him and I, we had lots of road trips together. We were, we always end up talking about Jersey at some point, like mm-hmm. Drake, you know. And we're like, you know, when you listen to Drake's songs, like there's so many lyrics, like he's, he's telling his story, like a lot of his time you get to know him, you know, like, and, and none of the bars are the same really, except, except for the hook. But you listen to some of this new stuff that's coming out, like they literally have like one verse and they just repeat it over and over. Like a lot of this is is the same thing. There's not much content there. Right. Right. So that's hard for me, you know, with that, uh, because that, you know, I think it, it lacks maybe some of the poetry that used to be there yeah right? but we still have some of it i mean there's still like j cole and mm-hmm. and kendrick and yeah you know chance and people like that that are holding it down you know and i really think like shout out tion gibbs because you know he's part of our circle too and he's yeah. doing i think like for the west he's the guy that we believe that could put the west on finally you i know? think tion's really got it going man you know um, he's the same kind of thing like he's he's got that like he's got lots of content and it's good stuff right he's like, to me the west coast drake for yeah, sure <laughs> for sure yeah <laughs> you know that's what yeah. i think about tion gibbs yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know he's fam so i, I hey, ain't mad about it right yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and uh by the way the reason why i wanted to bring up yay that yeah. specific album is the very last song it's about the way that kanye feels about his daughters growing up okay and so, so i wanted to know what you thought about it but if you hadn't had a chance to listen to it i'm not going to get into it no i'll go give it a listen yeah i want to i want to know if you find what he says to be relatable okay you know he talks about how um he knows what dudes at that age want and he's talking about how he doesn't he's like just don't do yoga don't do pilates just stick to karate like that kind of stuff you know (laughs) like he wants his daughters to stay small and everything like that because he's no he knows like what Kim Kardashian was all about back in the day. So <laughs> yeah. so he's like, don't be like your mom, you know? Be more like me, just draped in like these big clothes, you know? But yeah. Um, no, it's funny that uh, you mentioned that because there's a, there's a Drake track on, I think it's on Scorpion. I'm pretty sure it's on Scorpion. Yeah. I think it's more March 14th. I don't know if you've listened to much of that album. I haven't had a chance, no. 
So uh, I'm pretty sure it's that song. And he talks, Drake also talks about his parents and like now that he's a parent, same kind of thing, right? Yeah. And he's like, you know, he talks about how like he used to call out his parents a lot, like in his early music in particular. Yeah. You know, like like kind of like bashing them a little bit, like for like wh- where they made mistakes and stuff like that. And and then now that he's a father, he's like, damn, I get it. You know, like yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. shoot, like I, he's like, I never wanted it to be like that. And I'm very much that way. I'm like. I I probably stayed married as long as I did because I was so set at one point where I was like, I'm not going to be like my parents. I grew up, my parents were divorced, right? You know, Mm -hmm. like, and I'm like, I didn't want that for my kids, you know, because I seen what it was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Drake was basically saying the same thing. He's like, you know, he's like, I knew I didn't want that and I hated on my parents for it. And then look at me now. I'm like, shoot, now I'm co-parenting, you know, like kind of thing. But, you know, life happens and you just, Mm -hmm. you gotta, you just gotta roll with it. You gotta make the best of it. Right. Right, right, right. Definitely. Um, when you were growing up, did you have a, like a lot of, um, you don't have to delve into it too much, but like, did you have a lot of, uh, like girlfriends growing up? Like what I'm trying to get at is, was it different to break up from a marriage versus like, how different did it feel to break up from a marriage versus like breaking up with just a girlfriend? Um, well, I did a lot really young. Like I was really ahead of my time. That's why I had a kid so young, I believe, you know, and so I I don't, I I don't ever recommend it. Like in our culture, we call it force ripe. Okay. That's the word like in the Caribbean. Right. And, and it's like, you, you're like trying to be ahead of your time. Like, you know, like kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, so that was definitely me. And, um, so I, I, I definitely had a lot of relationships when I was in high school, way ahead of my time. And, um, but no, it's de- it's very different breaking up in a marriage, a hundred percent. Like, it's, right? What's and it especially like, when you have, especially when you have kids, right? That that's the hardest part, I think, yeah. for for me. Um, but our our situation, I think, was was better. I mean, just we'll quickly rewind to like our generation when I was in high school. I believe that we had so many relationships at that time because the culture was different. Like oh, it, dude. It yeah. was like, it was very much that culture. Like when you look at the music in the nineties, it was like baby making music. Everything mm-hmm. was like, like Jodeci, Mary mm-hmm. J. Blige, like R. Kelly, like, you know, I mean, R. Kelly is R. Kelly, but like, you know, but still he was, you know, like well, aside from all that. Yeah, bullshit, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the music was all about that. Like H town, like knocking the boots. Like that was the culture. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? And, uh, so, so now, you know, I think, this, that's eased up a little bit and there's maybe more encouragement for kids to be kids longer a little mm-hmm. bit but uh but anyway i know that kids are still doing stuff younger than ever mm-hmm. too right so yeah. um, uh regardless but yeah in a marriage it's just it's, it's totally different when you're when you're an adult because and you have so many things tied together too in my situation i'm blessed like i you know i'm really grateful for my ex-wife in that sense like we have we've all, we've been on the same page as much as it was hard, like to do what was best for the family. So there was no lawyers for us. There was, you know, like no fighting over stuff. Like we, we in custody, all that kind of stuff. Like we just, you know, we basically talked it through as hard as it was. And we're like, okay, right now this is the best situation for us. And, sure. we'll, and we'll revisit it when we need to and whatever, you know? Yeah. And so, so, uh, that being said, it's, it's still way harder. It's just, you know, you, you build, you start to build a life that, you know, you don't do that when you're dating typically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I've been through like a really intense breakup. That's what kind of caused like this extreme turning point in my life in 2015. Um, just a girl that I, that was basically my, 
at the time high school sweetheart, right? Mm-hmm. We would've been dating for 5 years. We broke up in the, like this terrible way, not amicable in any sort of way. We basically went from like being 5 years together to never speaking again, like wow. that sort of situation. That's um tough. it was fucked, man. Yeah. It was terrible. But anyway, I would I just never want to experience anything like that again, you know? Uh yeah. um it definitely did me for the better though like i'm i turned out to be much more of a i have a stronger sense of alignment with myself because of it right and i and uh, i have i've grown a lot of love for things that i previously never had love for in such a strong and passionate way but yeah no i just can't imagine right now um aside from like my parents dying and my family members being all whatever um like like if i were to choose to marry my current girlfriend and then we end up having a family and all that stuff and then i come to find that we end up getting a divorce like 20 years later that would just that to me sounds so awful yeah you know but nobody wants to experience anything like that no. at all i mean on the, on the same breath you're always different so like like you say like every seven years you have to reinvent yourself and your relationship like yeah. in whatever relationship you're in because you change you're not the same person that you were then so yeah. you know if you go in different directions it's not necessarily the end of the world because you're different people than you were when you started but I honestly like what you were talking about before. One, I see the trend now and I've been through it where breakups often lead to this whole like self-development stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like which I don't think was the case so much when I was younger. Yeah. There's a huge there's a huge focus for that now. It's yeah. like get to know yourself more, be good with yourself, which is really healthy. Yeah. For one, which we should be doing before we, you know, it shouldn't be a breakup that makes us have to go through that, right? Yeah. The other side of it is that um you know, when when the different dynamic, like when you like you're talking about when you went through that big breakup in that situation, you can walk away and like not talk to each other and not need to talk to each other. But when you're married and you have kids in particular, you have to be in, you still have to be in relationship with each other because you're always connected by those kids that you have. Right. And so it's a totally different dynamic. Right. So if you burn that bridge and that's why I'm always amazed, like I've seen so many people I know that have gone through divorce and it's 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 ugly. Yeah. You know, and I'm like and I've even talked to some of my like fellow men that have gone through it, you know, at the time. And I'm like, bro, like you could make this better, you know, like if you just stop fighting, you know what I mean? Like, like in the end of the day, like you two are going to be in each other's lives for as long as those kids are around, you know, for the most part, at least until they're adults. Mm -hmm. And like, you're going to make each other's lives hell, or you could choose to work together in some way. Right. And so if you don't have kids, like you could walk away from your relationship and, and never see that person again. Right. Like kind of thing. So yeah, they both have their ups and downs. They're just different. Right. Mm -hmm. 100%. Hundred percent. Honestly, that talking about that just stresses me out. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> that's the thing. Relationships aren't easy, but they're yeah. real, right? Like yeah. that. That's why I wanted to do what what I'm doing, right? Yeah. No, that's that's wonderful that we have like that. You have you for that, you know? Because in the lens that I'm looking at right now, I don't see anybody else in my vision that's able to do that. And if that's the case for me, that will be the case for other people too, right? So it's very very cool that we have that here locally for you, man. Because yeah. the thing. The, the thing about brand uh, development and relationship building, romantic or otherwise, is actually they have very they're very similar in principle, aren't they? Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because number one, I always say is knowing who you are, right? Yeah. And we were talking about that with brand identity.
be because that's how I see myself. Like with my business, I always say, like I'm not a traditional consultant because traditional consultants tend to look just at money, right? Like yeah. how can you be more profitable, which is important. Mm -hmm. And then traditional marketers tend to look at just like the aesthetics, like well, you know, like how do you look to the world and what does yeah. your logo look like and blah blah blah, which is also important. Yeah, but I'm more interested. I think the new space is all about identity, right? Yeah. And so that's why I was, you know, like some of the meetings I was telling you I had this week and stuff was about other opportunities where I could teach on that, you know, as well, because, um, I think that that's the new way. Right. And there's actually only one school I think I've found in so far in Western Canada that offers courses or like a program in brand management because it's a new thing. Mm, right. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, but going back to what you were saying is that the principles are often pretty similar. So I always say the, the first part is knowing who you are. And if you don't know who you are, you got to get to know who you are. You got to figure out who you are. And in some cases, so like, let's take the music industry, for example, because sure. we're both involved in that in yeah. some way. Um, you know, they say you have in the music industry, you either have to be believable or, or like be authentic or you have to make people believe mm -hmm. like one, you have to choose one or the other. And some people take the second route. They're like, you know what? I want to be um, a country musician and, yeah. and their background's not country, right. but they just make, they just put it on. Yeah. They, they start wearing the clothes. They start talking the talk, walking the walk and people start to believe them. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. kind of thing. And so that, and that's who it is. And so when you're building a brand, that's, you have to make a decision. It's either who you are already mm -hmm. or who you want to be or like what you at least like for either the purposes of what it is that you're trying to achieve. And, you know, which I don't, I don't recommend. I don't recommend right. being something you're not. Yeah. Um, unless it's like within your scope, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Because people will see right through that, man. Yeah. yeah. You know, unless you're making that change for a reason, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, like, uh, I think I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure like, so take, uh, Alicia Keys is one of my favorite sure. artists. And, uh, when she first came out, she came out with a different name. Right. Yeah. And then like uh, a lot of people didn't know her at first. And then she, she kind of went away for a little while and she came back as Alicia Keys and she was, you know, like, and she, boom, she hit us with Fallen, right? That mm -hmm. big, big hit. Yeah. It's just like different look or whatever kind of thing. And she, and, and it's like, I, which I think is more her probably now, you know, like in that sense. So it wasn't a stretch, right? Mm -hmm. Like in that way. Right. That's right. That's right. Um, and you know, when it comes to like choosing whether you want to do a, um, choosing whether you want to do like, uh, you know, be yourself authentically or go into something else. Right. Um, it really depends on what your, um, it really depends on what your trajectory is and sort of like what your, what the reasoning behind it is. Right. Like for example, the biggest song in the world right now, <laughs> you can probably guess what it is. Lil Nas X. Yeah. And like old town road, like dude's not a country singer at all, but he made, he's got the yeah. literally the number one country song in the world right now. Number one song in the world right now, period with Billy Ray Cyrus. And the thing about it, man, is that trolls trolling is like one of the biggest marketing things out there right now because like outrage is one of the biggest um ways for news to be spread it's like it's literally like fire yeah. it's crazy it's an insane thing that we never had in the 20th century before yeah yeah no, definitely the new this new era that we're living in is totally different you know and yeah and that's that's one of the things about like i think most of my clients uh, which is kind of a little bit off of what we're talking about sure. is, like a lot of the people that i end up working with um are, or want to talk to me are people who like who have built businesses mm -hmm. and who don't like this new era like right. they, because when they started in business they weren't 
they it wasn't around like they yeah. don't they don't understand the new social media and stuff like that and they don't want to take the time to do that and honestly as a brand manager like every week probably at least once a week i'm like i wish i could just shut off my social media like you know like you just did you know like kind of yeah. um shut it off for like a week i just i don't want to be on it you know like yeah. it's just so much right yeah, yeah but i have to be relevant it's part of a part of our job is to mm -hmm. be relevant in the space and so that means being consistent right like out there in, in that sense and so it, it's just like it's this necessary evil that we have to do and if we want to if we want to exist in that space right and so yeah it's 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 a new day that's for sure <laughs> Silence is incredibly important. It catches people completely off guard. And you know what? Use that to your advantage. People will think that, yeah, you're right. You're right. Being relevant is definitely part of our job. But when you have complete silence, people notice. I've had people tell me in person that they've noticed that I don't upload anything anymore. That's important because you know why? You know why it works for Kendrick to like not say anything at all ever and then he drops an album and everybody freaks out? Because it's exciting. When you do something really great and then you get and you disappear, like this doesn't work for everybody, of course, but I just love that strategy. You know, it's something that I've always, always admired. And J. Cole, for example, he was completely silent all the time and now he's everywhere, right? Like social media, he's just talking about stuff all the time. And I'm just like, man, it's like all eyes are on him now because it was such a rarity for him to do that. I think silence is incredible. And I mm -hmm. think it's a tool that, more people should actually utilize. Yeah, I actually, one of the books I'm reading right now is called The Power of Silence. And, you know, it's it's true. I agree. And there's so many sayings about it. It's like silence is the sound of uh, someone becoming golden, right? Like kind of thing. Or... Um, there's just, or a person becoming whole or, you know, like yeah. the, all those sorts of things, right? Like um, I, I, always, I was saying the last podcast that I did was that was one of the pieces of advice I always got was uh, listen more than you talk, right? And, yeah. and that, that means that we got to be quiet, right? In that sense, because we have two ears and we have one mouth, right? So God designed us that way for a reason. So no, I definitely, I agree the same thing. And I went through like, uh, I went through a period where I was laying low for a while and a lot of people actually thought I left, you know, they, they just thought I moved away or whatever. Right. And it was because I was doing a lot of, I was doing a lot of soul work and, mm -hmm. and, you know, and that sort of thing. And, uh, I just didn't have it in me to be around people and be posting and be whatever. And then all of a sudden I'm back, you know, and yeah. like, people are like, Whoa, you know, like, um, are you like, Frank Ocean? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah. Oh, that's right. another example right there, man. Yeah, like, no. Frank disappeared. Yeah. yeah. I mean, actually, I was watching Dave Chappelle's last show the other day on mm. uh, Netflix, and he was like, I was filming my last. He's like, so this is the last one, and then y'all got to wait, you know, like kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, but it's true. It's like, it's like waiting is can be important, right? Yeah. But in our culture, because we're so used to getting everything right, right away. now, it's like, we don't want to wait. We'll often go on to something else mm -hmm. and then maybe we'll come back and we'll look, Oh, look, this person's back. You know, like we'll go like this, you yeah. know, like and with this whole binge watching 
a culture that we have now too i find that too i'm like oh well i've gotten through a show on netflix like i don't want to wait for the next season so yeah. i'm gonna find another show to watch in the meantime you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of how our world is now but mm-hmm. um but it's still important we need to take those i used to call them the spaces in between right yeah 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 that's and important there was this like famous writer that i used to tell the story of that uh, she used to send people letters, but back when people used typewriters yeah. and with no spaces in the words and on purpose. And it would take them like weeks, months to figure out what the heck this letter said, right? Yeah. And uh, and it's just because without the breaks, you can't make you can't make sense of things. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so we need that in all parts of our life. Right? right, and that's you know I don't I I have no idea who said this quote. I feel like George Clinton of Funkadelic said this, but <laughs> you uh, but the thi- but. Somebody in that realm said music is all the space in between all the notes, right? And I'm just like, that makes a lot of sense. It's it's incredible, man. Like, it's incredible to think about negative space, whether it be in a picture or music or whatever, to be used as a tool to create different things and different meanings and expressions. I love it. I love it when people do, in a literal or figurative way, think outside the box, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, but that... Um I can't remember who it was either that was talking about like what what defines a room, right? Mm. Is is the space, right? Like it's like when you watch, it's it's the the emptiness that's in a room yeah. that defines how you can use it, right? Like yeah. kind of thing. And so so that is an interesting concept to me. It's the same sort of thing, right? It's yeah. like and and I think yeah, musically you can find because I'm a musician too, right? Yeah. So I, it, it could be the same thing. And I used to be very particular about that. I was like when I was working with a band or whatever, I'd be like, you know, there has to be dynamics like we can't just always be the same throughout Mm -hmm. there's got to be some breaks there's got to be some highs some lows some right you know like whatever so yeah yeah exactly um one thing i wanted to ask you about music is that like you talked earlier about how you don't care about today's music because it's all about like drugs and sex and blah blah (laughs) blah but dude didn't you experience that same thing when you were in your youth in the 90s like that's literally what people um in your age group currently but back then were complaining about with rap music man that's why we have those parent advisory uh, stickers didn't you think that like biggie was so sick and tupac was awesome and like a tribe called quest and all those guys were just amazing because and they were talking about that kind of stuff back then too i mean i I don't what's the difference i mean first of all uh, props to you for knowing all those guys you know like (laughs) your age you know like um but yeah i mean yeah there was all drugs was always a part of the culture and that sort of thing i think in in our time though that wasn't as big like it was you know like um like like weed was probably the biggest thing like kind of at that time you know uh sure there was other stuff floating around at that time and like acid was big when i was young and stuff like that and like there was always like you know that was just the rise of things like cocaine and stuff like that at that time right and so you have people like Biggie saying things like "Don't get high on your own supply," which which is great advice, you know, like stuff like that. Right? Ice Cube said that too, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know. But the I feel like the music that I grew up on was like the stuff that I listened to was not so much focused on that. Like it was, you know, like yes, all of a sudden we had like the surgeons of like N.W.A. and stuff like that, which brought us like gangster rap and stuff. Yeah. But, but I was always more personally. I was always more like an R and B guy, right. or like a conscious rap guy. So like guys like Tribe and 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 uh, you know even like the Roots, but like more like 
Wu-Tang, you know, but like when it comes to R&B, I was more like, like my stuff was, and you know, and funny, my son, when you interviewed him, he talked about that, like growing up, you know, like he said, he mentioned like Chris Brown and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, Cause yeah. they were the new generation. Like I really believe that whole cash money, like they changed the game, like, like yeah. Lil Wayne, Nicki, Drake, Chris, yeah. you know, but before that it was like, like I grew up on like Babyface, like Usher, right? Like, Three Six Mafia. Did you, you know, like them? Yeah, there are you know like Locks and like all those guys, like yeah. you know th- that whole like Bad Boy era. Yeah, you know, yeah, I used to dance too, right? So I was I used to do choreography and stuff, and Sick. so so like one of the first pieces that we used to travel and perform was like Mo Money Mo Problems, you know, that <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> it was the video, it was the music video era, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I grew up on that kind of stuff, like Janet Jackson, Michael Jackson, you know, right. like. Um, and whatever. So the music I feel was a little different. It was, it tended to be more about relationships, I think, like about love and about. Yeah, I remember know. R&B back in the day, man. Yeah. It was really about making your girl feel like good. Yeah. I, I definitely remember that, you know, like back in the day. But you had people like, like TLC was way ahead of their time, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, people like them, like even like Salt and Pepper, like they were, like they were like, uh, like TLC's like, don't go chasing waterfalls. So, yeah. You know, stick to the rivers that you used to, like that kind of thing. Like, like that is great advice. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, like, um, you know, they're, when they're talking about creeps and like, I don't want, you know, like, uh, I don't want no creeps and things like that. Right, you know, like right. they were they're like, they're speaking wisdom out there. Yeah. I was surprised, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, like, definitely. So, so yeah, it was just a different era, you know, I think. And so now I, I just hear, like, I feel like almost every song is about like this whole new era of like, like all these millions of pills that are out there and stuff. Yeah. And and whatever and like every song is like about Zan and Percocet and mm-hmm. whatever you know and I so I don't care for it that much so, yeah know. it's it's not relatable I understand I there's a lot of songs out there that to me do sound really run of the mill man like mm. a lot I could like dime a dozen no problem but there are some songs though that really do stand out to me like I genuinely think Lil Pump makes amazing music really yeah totally man like and and don't get me wrong here like um to Pimp a Butterfly is my favorite album of the decade by far. I, I think it's my favorite record ever, and Kendrick Lamar is an absolute genius for making it. And my favorite song off that album is uh, How Much a Dollar Cost. Have you heard that song before? No, I haven't listened to it. It's about Kendrick meeting a homeless man. Kendrick pulls up in this luxury car, and this homeless man asks for some, just for like one rand, right? Or ten rand. And Kendrick's like, no. And that's literally like a dollar, but he's like, no. And then they end up in getting into a face-off, and it, at the end of the song the 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 kicker is it turns out to be a test of god basically what happens that homeless man actually ends up being god and he says uh you know how much that dollar cost the price of your heaven uh the price for your spot in heaven now embrace your lost and i'm like holy shit (laughs) it it completely blew my mind and i get shivers every time i hear it it's the most incredible thing and man i i love that song i am not christian or anything i wasn't brought up that way but like my respect for what he has to say in that album and that song in particular it's completely astounding but back to Lil Pump I genuinely love his music it's so much fun and incredibly exciting Um, I think there's absolute value in both different places but it really just depends on like where you want to come from and where you want to go you know but you know like for me like honestly in that that genre right now uh, if I had to pick somebody I'd probably say Lil Skies is probably I I like his stuff yeah yeah, you know like um, but I'm but like for one I'm just like how many Lil's are there you know (laughs) Lil Baby Lil Skies Lil Pump Lil this Lil that you know that kind of thing 
and uh so there's there's so but i don't really you know i don't follow that there's that one that guy that sings that uh that the track uh swerving that that's a good one out right oh, now yeah. yeah you know like he has two tracks out now right now i like i like him um i, I really like 21 savage when he came out yeah i like yeah, his yeah. vibe i don't think you know like um so there's some of them in this new generation that i'm I get down with, but I'm still an R&B guy. So like mm, we're talking sure. about the music that's coming out now, the stuff that I'm more likely to listen to is like, is like Khalid. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, and like the uh, weekend or something. Yeah, well, the weekend always, but like, mm. um, and being Toronto boy, it's like XO OVO, like, you know, yeah. um, but, uh, but like people like, like her. Like, yeah. Oh, hers. So good. Like She's L great. Like LMA, like, yeah. you know, like, um, there's like all these new R&B artists, SZA, SZA Blue. Oh, like yeah. she was, you know, like, so that, that's more like my, where I spend most of my time listening, you know? Yeah. I saw SZA live, by the way, man. Really? She's so good yeah. live. I've seen Kendrick three times at this point. Um, and uh, the last time I saw him was at this championship tour where they had every single TDE person there, including Schoolboy Q. Yeah. And Kendrick headlined, of course, but SZA totally took the show, in my opinion. She yeah. blew it away, man. Wow, that's great. I like Dan. Yeah. Annie Lee too. She's just coming up, you know. It's on Little Baby, and she's got this track called "Be Yourself." I definitely recommend it. She's just starting to kind of like low key, you know. Yeah. Um, like I'm a huge fan of people that are like not so commercial, like yeah. you know, like Russ, like the rapper. He's mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I really like his stuff. You know, he's yeah. just been like steady making tracks. You know, he's yeah. he's out there. So uh, people like that. So I, I still kind of go back and forth with my hip hop, but I'm always leaning more to R&B. Right. Mm. And that's the kind of stuff like when I do artist development, I'm more interested in like in R&B, like singer songwriters or or, you know, like a little less, like you know, like I love like we mentioned Tion before, yeah. you know, like he he does both. Yeah. And, you know, and in terms of like the hip hop that he does, like I really get down with it, you know, in that sense. But but there's not a lot out there that I think, you know, in this just for me. Right? Yeah. No, that's fair, man. It's a, it's basically all about sort of uh, appealing to a person's just most primal instincts and feelings, right? Just sort of um, that good time all the time kind of thing, you know, back in the day. It's kind of like that again, but just sort of catered to and marketed in a way that's appealing for people that are younger, right? Like... Um, all of this, all of these tens are trends. Sorry, are basically just repeating themselves. All of the stuff is just repeats of themselves. Um, like this is an absolute repeat of, say, punk music back in the day. You know, that's not. I'm not the first person to obviously say that kind of thing. But like um, this rebellious attitude. Like back in the day, punk was rebelling against rock music. Back in the day, like they were rebelling against like Zeppelin and the Doors and all that kind of stuff because it was old and boring. Everybody's heard that stuff. So of course, these kids on SoundCloud are going to make music that's louder, heavier, more aggressive and in your face. And people are going to want to jump to that. And, um, yeah, girls want to get into that. And of course, if the girls go in, the guys want to follow and it's just sort of what the way is. And I think it's natural for people that are in other generations, aside from like the youngest ones to really understand or even want to give a shit about it in the first place. Yeah. I think you hit a good point. Like in every generation, there's always that like push pull. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and in any industry and in any, you know, whatever, like I was having this conversation with uh, somebody in the media industry the other day. Yeah. And it was the same thing. It's like, one of the sayings in business is innovate or die. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so 
it, you could apply that to anything mm -hmm. relationships you know your brand whatever it is and music same thing right it's like if music doesn't change or evolve it can't just stay the same all the time right like right and so there's always something growing and that you know you mentioned like kind of that rock sort of like punk air like sort of thing i definitely had an appreciation for that growing up in the 90s like guns and roses like chili peppers yeah. stuff like that you know um, I actually, my cousin back home in Toronto area, he, he has a band called Breaching Vista. The shout cool. out to them. They, I definitely think go check them out They're They're on all the platforms too. They, they've had some pretty good success. They, I think they're legit and, um, they're doing it they've been doing it for a while, you know? And so, so I have appreciate for all types of music, you know, yeah. and I think, I think that's, we need to always be diverse. And like you, yeah. me you mentioned that crossover before, you know, with that big country song now and all that, like yeah. Billy Ray Cyrus and all that. And, and, uh, I think we could apply those principles to anything, mm -hmm. you know, it's like we're living in an era now where it's easier to collaborate with yeah. more people yeah. in anything. I mean, look at us, like mm -hmm. we're like, technically we're a generation apart. Yeah. You know, and and you're you're still in you know in school partially, you mm -hmm. know, and and just starting out. I've already had a family. I've already you know like done a lot of things that yeah. you're still probably gonna do. And here we are collaborating. You yeah. know, like kind of thing. And it's just a perfect example, right? Yeah. Well, I genuinely find it interesting to talk to you. Yeah. Right. Because the thing is, I I love talking to people that are in the same age group as me. Right. I do it all the time. But to talk to somebody in a one-on-one -on -one situation, the same way I would talk to somebody my age is just refreshing rather than like a hello, sir, yes, ma'am kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it just sort of makes me feel, um, I just sort of feel like I'm expanding myself by doing that. And that's the point of actually the, the show that I'm doing here in the first place. It's not supposed to be just a hip hop show or yeah. anything. It's all about expanding myself. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I always tell people, like, expand your circle for mm -hmm. sure. Like, your circle, you hear these things all the time. It's like, you know, show me who you spend time with. I'll tell you who you are kind of thing, right? And and I always tell people, like, if you, you know, that saying is true. Like, when you hear people saying it all the time, like, on YouTube and all these people talking about personal development, they're always saying, you know, um, if you if the people that you're surrounded with are not better than you or are, you know don't challenge you or whatever then you're in the wrong circle you know right. in that sense yeah 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 and so like I'm grateful for I have more than one circle you know like kind of thing everybody needs a mastermind circle they say mm -hmm. right and I feel like I have more than one of that you know like kind of thing and and um and I always try to make sure like the people that are around me, they like we're all better than each other mm -hmm. to in certain areas. Like we're all specialists probably in our own rights. Right. But we're equal still in a sense. So we were able to challenge each other, you know, like and kind of call each other to account or, you know, and it's all done in love. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen other people who are trying to be successful that I know that purposely maybe surround themselves with people that are not like that. Like, yeah. you know, like people who would follow them, maybe, for example. Right. And they're not going to grow in that way. Like the people are always going to be looking to them for to be their leader. And that's it. You yeah. Know, like kind of thing. So, yeah, I think you got the right attitude. And I think that we need that in everything and mm -hmm. anything in our life is that we always I always think mentorship is really important. That's why coaching for me is such a big thing. Sure. Yeah. Right? And yeah. Any, in sports and life and business is that. Like I've had many mentors in my life that are even just outside of my circle. Mm -hmm. Like I will seek out people like when I was going through my big transition in life, like with my relationship and my career and all that, I sought out a few people that I knew like 
I didn't really have that close of a relationship with them, but I was like, hey, would you have coffee with me like once a week for a little while? Like, so I could just bounce some stuff off you because I know you've been successful or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, sure. You know, like people, they're happy. People like that are usually happy to like genuinely share because people, you value what they've, they've done, right? 100%. Like kind of so, yeah. I mean, so anybody who's listening, get a mentor or find multiple mentors or get a circle that challenges you. <laughs> hundred percent. Expand yourself as an individual. It's incredibly important to do so. Um, I feel like I personally draw a lot of parallels to expanding yourself through food, right? <laughs> uh, I, pr- I try my best not to be a picky eater at all. And I'm actually quite open-minded. Um, I have uh, been a vegetarian from the age of 12 to 24. I'm not 24 anymore. I'm now <laughs> fully omnivorous. I'll eat whatever I want. Um, and so I'm trying all sorts of new stuff. I've never eaten sea urchin before, but I had it on my birthday. It was honestly so good. I love that. <laughs> it was wow. so good. Wow. Yeah. So, so I try to, I try to throw that parallel into all, tr- all the different facets of my life as much as I can. So if I'm able to eat like all sorts of different things, I can apply that same principle to everything else. And I think it's really healthy for people to want to do that as well. Right. Like as long as you're comfortable with it, but even not just fuck it, just go for it. Like, what do you have to lose? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm probably a little more cautious, but like, but you know, at my age now I've come to just figure out what, what agrees with me and what doesn't. Sure. Yeah. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day who was talking to their kids. We were talking about how, like, cause they were making the choice to go vegan and they're trying to make their kids go vegan too. Right. And like, you know, we're just having the discussion that, like, at the end of the day, eventually people are going to choose their own path. Yeah. And it, it, the same thing applies to, like, spirituality and all mm-hmm. those sorts of things. Like, you know, like, we as parents or whatever want to kind of shape our kids as much as possible. And because we want what's best for them, what we think is best for them at that time, right? Right. And so eventually we choose our own path. And for me, like, well, the way I used to eat when I was young compared to how I choose to eat now, yeah, like, it's still not maybe as ideal as I should or would like it to be, but it's light years from the way I used to abuse my body before, right? Like, of so I've definitely, yeah, you know, I make that. And, and it, that's, it, for me, is expanding. It's like, okay, like, stuff that I would have never touched before because I'm like, that sounds gross. Or it's, sure. it's healthy it's just like you know like mm-hmm, it's gonna mm-hmm. taste like dirt you know like kind of thing right <laughs> yeah but now it's like i'm feeding my body fuel it's, it's right. a different mentality right mm. of course of course and the thing about for me is like um i use it as like a form of practicing self-discipline too because i think to myself um like steve jobs did this for example right i love reading biographies and i loved his and for me um he used this principle of if you eat stuff that's incredibly plain, stuff that's just really not fun to eat at all, it allows you to experience um, on a more multi-dimensional way when you do eat something wonderful, right? Uh, so like eating just plain bread with literally nothing on there to, for example, if you're tracking your calories and stuff just to hit those calories and then on your off day or cheat day when you finally have like a piece of cheesecake, it's the most, it's the best fucking cheesecake <laughs> in your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I like to apply those kinds of principles because like those dynamics make life 
far more interesting in my experience. Yeah. Well, and it's in a way it's a form of fasting, right? It's kind of like what we were talking about before, like the silence and it's the same with our body. And, uh, in one of the podcasts I did recently, I talked about like, for me, I read this book at a particular time that was about the spirituality of fasting and the lost tradition in our culture. And it was like, not just fasting from food, but like, sometimes it's like unplugging or it's, you know, being alone or whatever it is. Oh yeah. And it's, it's, it's good. You know, like we don't, we're so inundated. We have so much options. We have so, you know, like going to the grocery store, you've got like 50 different cereals you could choose from, right? Like, yeah. so to have that time, like where we do, we choose disciplines like that, where we just, you know, and like for me right now, like, cause I still, for the most part, I still choose to worship as a Catholic. I always sure. say like my, my spirituality is, is broad, I think, you sure. know, um, but like when I go to worship, that's what I do. And so this time of year it's, we're in Lent. Mm-hmm. And so in Lent is uh, 40 days, like usually where you choose to do some spiritual disciplines. And one of them is some sort of fasting, right? Right. Like, there's some like things like some days where you don't eat meat or you, you eat like two meals instead of three and like simple meals or or you give up something that is like full of indulgence for you that you can like fill that time or that void with something else that's healthier for you, you know, like kind of thing. Yeah. And it's just like stuff like that. I think there's wisdom in that, like for anybody, for anything, like mm-hmm. and you see that in all traditions, right? Yeah. And so... And I think coming back to everything that we've talked about is that you can, we can apply these principles to anything. We could apply them to, to relationships. We could yeah. apply them to music. We could apply them to building our brand, whatever. It's like, you know, sometimes you need to make a change or sometimes you need to take some things out and we need to just maybe silence some things here and there and, and then infuse it with something different, you know, like, and, and just pivot or just, you know, whatever it is, maybe we just need some introspection time, right? Like yeah. in that sense. And in in hopes that it's always going to make us a better, like come back better, right? Like that's the goal. So, I mean, you know, I know that we're getting to the end of the podcast here with you and you're probably going to mention that, that you're going through a little change with your, your brand mm-hmm. here. And so, I mean, I wish you the same sort of thing when you, you know, when you take that breath and come back bigger and stronger or whatever it is that you're going to do. I'm looking forward to hearing about that and seeing it. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, You know what? I got to say this, this interview has been incredibly dynamic. I enjoy it quite a lot. I I really enjoy this conversation. I feel like it's so much more dynamic than some of the last couple of episodes that I have done. And I appreciate that so much. Um, Before I do end this podcast, uh, one thing I want to do is I want to do a little bit of a role play here. Does that sound cool to you? (laughs) Okay, sure. All right. I'm going to pretend I'm going to pretend that I'm your 25-year-old son, okay? And we're going to disregard all the stuff that's been going on in my life and everything like that. We're going to pretend all of that does not exist. It's literally this situation, all right? I'm coming to you. You know that I've been completely straight edge for my entire life, right? I have not drank before. I've never smoked weed. I've never done anything and literally nothing. The most that I've done would be probably like sips of alcohol just to see what it tastes like, but that's it, right? But I'm incredibly inclined to expand myself as an individual, (laughs) as I have been talking about earlier here. Okay. Now, the one thing, though, is that I don't give a shit about drugs at all. I I don't care about smoking weed. I don't care about doing crack or or coke or anything like that. Or MDMA. I don't give a shit about partying. But one thing I do care about is I'm interested in expanding myself in a spiritual way 
and psychedelics have been something that have always been intriguing for me. And, and, I, and I come to you as you're my dad in this situation, and I want to do shrooms for the first time <laughs> this summer. What do you think? Okay, well, let me see if I can put that on. <laughs> Just like, let me think about that. Um, so I would pro- hypothetically, if, yeah, I, so yeah. if I was your dad, I, uh, I would always want to say that, you know, there's a whole like do as I say, not as I do thing, sure. right? You know, and, and like I can never say that I've never done drugs or that I've never drank or I've never done any of that stuff. So, so I've definitely experimented with that stuff or sometimes maybe put myself in situations that maybe I shouldn't have. And so I know that that's sometimes a part of life. Um, I don't recommend it. Right. That's what I would always say. And anything I think I always say anything that alters our state personally, I think is dangerous. Right. Mm. And so, um, so for me, like I don't do drugs but I drink, right. uh, you know, and I try not to drink excessively because I don't like to be out of control, Yeah, you know, because then we do stuff, we tend to do stuff we regret or we don't remember or we don't, you know, like kind of thing. Right. So that's always my caution to people. Um, on the other hand, like this whole psychedelic thing, there's a movement now right now that I, I that I also see. So Jason Silva, I don't know if you yeah. know him. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He's big. So he was a big sort of um, I blogged about him. I said he was a part of the light bulb that went off for me in my my blog and my my writing. Sure. Uh, because I got to see him live. And uh, anyway, that's a whole different story. But his whole thing, he talks about that and and he's big on that and because he's in search of the awe, right? Like the yeah. awe experience and whatever. And I try to understand that. And he believes that the whole psychedelic thing is it can be okay within a controlled environment yeah. or like a safe situation, right? And so... I mean, maybe he's right. I don't know. I mean, okay. like, so yeah. that that would be my suggestion. Like, if you're gonna do it, like, do it in a safe environment, I guess. You know, yeah. like, and uh, and and in moderation, and like, in in caution, and all that kind of stuff, right? Sure. Like, yeah. So, but like I said, I mean, I, me personally, I'm afraid of anything that just like will make me lose, like, be out of my mind, right? Like, right. Kind of thing. So that's fair. Yeah. So that would be my advice. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally fair, man. See, um, for me, it's always been incredibly interesting the thought of psychedelics and to experience something that to me currently is unfathomable, right? Yeah. And the thing about it is that. Uh, I just, there's so much music that has inspired the people that have made, uh, or there's so many people that have used those things to create music inspired by those experiences, right? And it's it's something that has always been interesting to me. And I just feel like it's another way of making your brain work in ways that you otherwise would have never done, right? I just feel like, I just, eventually what I want to do is I want to do shrooms, um, to just experience what that's like. I want to do LSD because I really want to know what that's like. And then I eventually want to do DMT to understand what it's like to die without actually killing myself. Oh my gosh, man. So uh, that, I mean, I wish you luck with that, but I, I will not be joining you. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely say LSD. I would be very cautious about yeah. because, you know, they say like one bad trip can make you a vegetable for your life, you know? Yeah. That's like chemical stuff like that is really like dangerous. Sure. Um, but I mean, I get th- that whole discussion about artistry and that like being, you know, in a different mental state. Mm-hmm. 
uh, there's I probably fall on the other side of that. Like I really think there's a lot of people. Sure, I grew up in the era of like the Doors and Hendrix and all that yeah. kind of stuff. You know, like and there was a lot of talk about that back then. Even you know, and um, and a lot of people now say that they can't. They feel like they can't create unless they like smoke unless weed, they do that, do yeah. something like that. And I don't believe that. Like I feel like there's different ways that you can achieve that. Like, sure, you know, and sometimes even just like meditation can uh, we can uh, achieve those kinds of things with our mind, you know, 100%. and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, that's just my opinion. I'm I'm never a fan of anything like putting anything artificial in our body that's gonna change who we are. Yeah. You know, like kind of thing, and I, I just think it's dangerous. That's fair, man. That's mm-hmm. totally fair, and I absolutely um, understand your caution. Now, the one thing for me is uh. I see people like Mike Tyson, for example, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I love Mike Tyson. I think he's fantastic. Uh, I saw in 1998 his when he he was he was doing his first press release when he got the uh, he got the world heavyweight championship belt as the youngest person to ever ever do that, um, and he still holds that record. And he was so articulate and he spoke incredibly well. And then as he's gotten much older and he's gone through tons of cocaine and all this other stuff, being hit in the head as a boxer and everything, he doesn't speak like that anymore. And it's something that I personally don't want to ever lose. So this is something that I do take with extreme caution, but it's something that I do want to take a part of just to understand the mindset of those people um, that I do revere. And the thing about it too, is that I genuinely know that say even John Lennon, for example, has been quoted to say that he would have made that music regardless it's not the drugs that made him do that so i fully fully understand that absolutely but it's just something for me i just don't know if i could be if i could experience emotion after death i just don't think that i would be happy to experience life and not experience a psychedelic you know what i mean yeah i mean uh, fair enough i i just i i I've heard and I've probably experienced in my life, like there are times that we experience those same sort of feelings or experiences without the superficial stuff. And yeah. and I think that it's it's our daily life that keeps us from that because yeah. we're so like in this routine sure. of, you know, um, like we're always, we're always doing the same stuff, right? And so like we have the stresses of, of work, of school, of relationships, you know, like kind of thing. And so there's not that space, you know, where sometimes if you go away for a while or whatever, you can have that. And I think because often we're talking about artistry when we're talking about that, although we could be talking about anything, like Mm -hmm. it could be cooking, it could be whatever, you know, in your daily life or in your relationship where you want to experience brilliance, right? Like in that sense and in your writing or anything. And and uh, so I look at people like, like, I honestly, I don't believe, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but like there are a lot of famous artists and people who have impacted us in the world, like writers and, and painters and things like that, who weren't necessarily like these other people we've talked about who were like getting high in order to do that. You know, like I think of people like, like Da Vinci and like, um, you know, like C.S. Lewis and like, you know, just like big names that have been around, you know, mm-hmm. like, and honestly, they found a way to tap into what it is to create that space so that they could create what it was that their gift to the world was. Right. Right. So I believe that there's a way to do that, but you have to create the space. And I really come back to like a big part of my business with as a brand manager or as a coach in that way was 
was to allow that for my clients was like, okay, well, here you are a musician or here you are a painter or here you are a designer or here you are whatever, a restaurant owner, whatever it is, whatever your product is or your, your, your art is, you need the space to be able to do that. So let us or let me or whatever handle the other stuff yeah. that takes away from that from you so that you have the, the room in your life to do that, create the music or create the art or create you know, whatever, and let us handle the business side or, you know, that sort of thing. Right. And yeah. so anyway, so I just think you need to, you need to, people need to find that space. hundred percent. And so I believe that sometimes the, the other stuff, the superficial stuff or the artificial stuff is, is, is we try to accelerate that process. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, just so you know, in, in terms of myself, I find that, uh, at 25 is where I feel like it's appropriate for me to do shrooms. I don't really see myself in the near, near future doing any of the extra stuff just yet. I've always thought that like when I'm 35 and I have like kids and stuff like that, that's when I want to do LSD because I feel like it'd be interesting to get to a point where I have incredible responsibility and then just sort of like flip it and then see what happens. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it might be fun, but I, it might I just, be something to make a movie about. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, for me, I just feel like... People, a lot of people get just so boring. You know, even people that I went to high school with just get so boring. You know what I mean? I feel like it's, it would allow, I just feel like, I don't know, it, it just, I feel like it would just keep life interesting. You know what I mean? Challenging myself and expanding myself at a point where I, I try to make sure that I would never, ever think to myself, this is my final stage. This is my final form. I would never, ever want to think that. I always want to expand myself, even at a place where I feel like I'm at the most where I have to be at the most tight, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, and there's two sides to that, right? Like at one time, you know, in one respect, they say like get it out of your system when you're young because you're not yeah. responsible for anybody else because like when you have kids or whatever, you're responsible and you have to, you know, if you screw up your life, you're going to, you know, by mm -hmm. by making, like using drugs or whatever kind of thing, like then, yeah. then you fail those people. But on the other hand, this whole movement, like what you're talking about or this attitude now or exactly that, it's like how do we spice up your life or how do you, you know, not become like monotonous. Mm -hmm. right? And you see movies like I think of movies like I think it's like The Neighbors and stuff mm -hmm. like that, you know, like where you have these like grown people who are like trying to get in touch with that fun side again, you know, yeah. like kind of thing. I mean, yeah, it's Hollywood. I honestly think Hollywood has like um, it's been a bit issue for us, you know. Uh, while we're talking about this, uh, you know, which I probably will address in my second book, is that when it comes to certain things like love and relationships and um, like and reality, in a lot of ways, Hollywood has painted a picture that's not real. Or no, of course it, not. It confuses us, you know? Like, yeah. so when we think about, like, even romantic relationships, above all, that's what we see in Hollywood. We think that that's what we want. Like, that's what we're looking for, you know, because that's all we see all the time. Like, it's got to be, like, this. at some point in our life, we've got to run, chase somebody down in an airport, right? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, don't get on that plane, you know? Like, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, I've been watching The Bachelor, you know, because my grandmother, I blame her. She got me into it, but is it, there's an example. It's like, yeah. oh, so how many of us have that experience? I mean, in some ways as a single person, you kind of have that experience all the time because you, you know, you get to date different people, but where you're like dating at one time, you're dating like 30 different people or whatever. And you get to like knock them off, you know, like, yeah. you know, like yeah. it's, not, it's not real. Right. No, of course. <laughs> of course. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 
yo, dad, thanks for the advice, man. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. So, I mean, I'm just looking at time. Like, anything you final, any final stuff that you want to wrap up with here? Um... <laughs> No, I don't really have anything else, really. Um, uh, do you have any questions for me at all? Uh, not really. I mean, I think we we kind of flushed out a lot of it yeah. in, in this. You know, I, like I said, I was interested in, uh, in what your your goals are with this podcast and that. And so I, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier that, I, you know, you, you talk about taking a little break and mm-hmm. kind of coming back. So maybe just you know, for me and for your listeners, you could probably just like end us off with, uh, telling us a little bit about what your plans are for that or your vision. Or- <sighs> <laughs> well, there's a particular lyric that comes to my mind. It's by the chili peppers on the song. Can't stop. Uh, Anthony Kita sings come back strong with 50 belly dancers. <laughs> and not in a literal way, but for me, it's an energy thing. Like, come back strong with that energy. That's basically what the plan is. I'm essentially coming back. I'm bringing to. I'm bringing for the culture Canada on level two, and it's going to be much, much better. But for the time being, I'm in hibernation mode right now. So for the time being, uh, I, I'm not going to promise anything at all. Okay. I can't predict the future, so I won't. That's true. Well, all we have is now. That's what we said at the beginning. So, I mean, it's been a pleasure for me to be a part of this, you know, as you wrap up this first phase. Of course. I'm looking forward to what's coming next. And, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll have another one of these in the the next go around. I'd love to, man, when your second book comes out 100%. Um, By the way, where can they find your first book, your current one? So right now, the main place is on Amazon. You know, you can just just look up chocolate covered French fries or my name, Kevin Kishore, just like it sounds, K-I-S-H-O-R. And uh, you could find me on Instagram, Kevin.Kishore. You uh, find me on Facebook. My public page for the the vlog and the book is uh, the username is at chocolate covered French fries. And um, also, we like you can get the book through me too, so you could just message me because I've heard that some people maybe you know like having to wait for it from Amazon. Um, so you could always just send me a message, and I'll take care of it because my family owns a bookstore, and we have copies as well. So I'm gonna have a book launch. And I'm looking for a publicist. So if anybody listening out there wants to get on board and work with me, holler at me, you know, DM me on Instagram or um, on Facebook and let's chat because I'm looking forward to this. So I'm, um, I'm heading away here for a little kind of getaway and heading to a wedding and stuff with my sister. And I'm hoping that I'm going to start working on the second book. So um, let's roll out this first one together and, uh, you know, everybody get it. And then uh, by Valentine's Day 2020, uh, the next book should be ready. That's the goal. (laughs) Yes, that is fantastic. That is fantastic. Please make sure that you check out all of Kevin's Instagram, Facebook, whatever social media he is at. Also, make sure that you check his book out. Um, He's a very... interesting and wise person to go to for mentorship as well if you do need that so please don't be afraid to hit him up in the dms or anything like that yeah and i do do coaching as well and that's the next phase that will come like along with the podcast and all that too but like people could do you know they can book me for coaching speaking gigs that sort of thing and um and i've just started putting the stuff up on my youtube page too so again it would be my name and uh, i'm gonna start to put all the vlogs on there so yeah 
Look me up. Hell yeah. Please, and uh, make sure that you don't forget to subscribe to For the Culture Canada on Spotify or Apple Music or SoundCloud or whatever you like to listen to podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and social media of any sort at For the Culture Canada. And uh, if you have any sort of feedback, if you have anything to let me know of, if you want to give my show a one star, please let me know why, or a five star, please let me know why. I'd appreciate it a lot. Anyway, thank you so much for your time and consideration. I'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.